This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And welcome to the Rita Cosby Show. $10 million a day. That is what it is costing New York City to take care of the many migrants that keep coming to the Big Apple. This as protests intensify with some migrant shelters even popping up in residential neighborhoods. One in Staten Island is only a few feet, about 20 feet from a grammar school. So is there any end in sight? Joining us now for the very latest is New York City Councilman Bob Holden. Councilman, so great to have you with us. And how bad do you think it's going to get here in New York? Uh, That's the problem. It's only going to get worse because there's no remedy coming from Washington. And I think that's what has to happen here. The Congress has to get together. They want to change the rules for asylum or a work permit visa. If they want to do that, it has to come through Congress. And the president has to start the wheels going. So does our our Congress uh, people. They need to get together and solve this. The problem in New York City that we have is this right to shelter. We're the only city that does that. So that means you couple that with work visas, like the, the governor's trying to do, the mayor's trying to do, you incentivize them to come here then if you're going to give them or you're going to you're going to put the work visa on the fast track and then you couple that with right to shelter which we're the only city that you know we're crazy like this we we anybody that comes to our city anywhere from in the world they have the right to shelter that means we have to put them up on the taxpayer's dime how insane is that You know, you talk about the right to shelter. Some people say, Councilman Holden, that it doesn't necessarily mean for non-Americans. How do you see it? Well, again, that's been challenged. Uh, It says anyone. And it was originally for a homeless man. Uh, And it was Callahan versus uh, Carrie, the governor at the time. And that's why the governor should be getting involved in this and challenge that right to shelter. Say, you know what? This we can't sustain this. We can't house the world. Are you insane? We have a hundred and whatever, hundred and five thousand now uh, migrants that we have to take care of. About half of them are in our shelters. And are you saying that if another hundred thousand come, you know, in the next few months, and then another hundred thousand, when do we end this? Uh, it's going to get to the point where New York is going to collapse uh, financially. And that's where we're headed. So that's why when you started, you asked me, where are we headed? We're headed for a disaster unless that we get um, the president get, getting everybody together and let's change this. And here's what they should do. And this is my opinion. They should expedite the asylum process because I, I'm, and I'm guessing that 95% of the people coming in want jobs. That's not a reason for asylum. 
you get asylum if you're in your home country, you're threatened. That means you are you fear for your life. Uh, you're coming here because you're being persecuted. Um, that's why you come. And that's why that's the reason for asylum, not because you want a job. And that's what these people want. So there are wrong reasons. They're coming. Many are coming illegally. They're coming across the border. And the government, you know, has all these policies that they're kind of they kind of just put on the on the side, like Title 42, which is really a, a, a public uh, health service act that was um, actually on the books for from the 1800s because of all the they could they could now stop people from coming in for asylum because of the epidemic that we just went through a pandemic. And they were using that until the Biden administration said, no, no, you know, we're going to we have to end this. So he actually filed a lawsuit. But, you know, the Supreme Court said, no, you you the um, the president can end this program. And that's what he's doing. Yeah, well, he's fighting tooth and nail, uh, Councilman. I mean, that's the issue. Like you said, he lifted Remain in Mexico, lifted Title 42. You have to have the will to want to change these things. Do you see any will in Washington? No, I don't. And and again, coming from like I, I'm a Democrat, but I'm embarrassed for the, about this president not really taking charge and at least, you know, slowing the flow. Like you, you saw how they opened the wall, some gates on the wall, uh, literally the floodgates. They opened and people are pouring through there. Um, this has been listen, this has been an industry for years and this is what we're getting now. Um, people coming in, we don't know who they are. And it's amazing how fast we forget 9-11 how terrorists came into our country and brought down buildings and killed thousands of people. And it's, it's 22 years later, and, we're, and we haven't learned any lessons. So we're, we're letting people come in. We don't have any information on them. They're pouring through our borders, and they haven't, and, I, and I'm, I'm, we're trying to get this from the, the mayor's um, administration, how many have actually applied for asylum? Because remember a few weeks back, CUNY was going to help. City University of New York was going to help them fill out their asylum applications. I mean, we, we not only have to you know, process 100,000 uh, or more, and that's where the government is lacking. I think it, that's where uh, Biden can actually expedite that. Let's, let's get the asylum applications looked at. Let's hire more, uh, you know, ICE agents and let's examine everyone. And if they're not, they don't qualify, send them back. But they have to have the will to want to send them back, Councilman. And I think you hit it on the head because the problem is I wonder if the Biden administration even wants to find out who is here uh, on a justified claim. Because to your point, I think at the end of the day, they're going to find out what, 5, 10, 15 percent have justified claims. The rest aren't here legally or appropriately or for the justified reasons. So that means then they have to get rid of them and send them back. And I don't think they want to do it. Well, it's the people are going to have to, you know, really rise up. The New Yorkers are going to have to really protest. And this is what I think we all should do, because let's look at the poster child. Uh, Daniel Hernandez Martinez, I think his name was, uh, is or is. He arrived in the United States from Venezuela in June, June 27th. And the first day uh, he started his crime spree 
I think he's now he's got six arrests. Right, and including assaulting uh, uh, three people and two officers, and he's still right. out. Right, and that's why uh, tomorrow we're going to contact the ICE um, director in Manhattan and, and see what what the deal is with this guy. Because if, if you're committing felonies and misdemeanors and you you have six crimes and you've only been here a couple of months and you have six crimes on the book, you have attacked people, what are we releasing this guy for? Uh, why are we keeping him in the United States? Send him back to Venezuela. And this is, by, by the way, there's... I think uh, I think there's 41 people have been arrested in that one hotel in yep, Manhattan. The that's Ro- right, hotel. in the Roosevelt, right, which is sort yeah. of like the uh, yeah. you know receiving center, if you will. Right. So, so what are we doing? Once you commit a crime and your you know you, your application hasn't been looked at for asylum, and you commit a crime, you should be on the next uh, bus or train or or plane, but, uh, better yet, out of the United States, and that's. That's why uh, we're going to meet the Common Sense Caucus is going to meet with the ICE director, hopefully in the near future, and see what do, what are we doing? Why are we not um, uh, getting these people out of this country? And it's because we're a sanctuary city, and this is what happens, but it, now it's being abused because the sanctuary city, which started really under the Koch administration, but then it escalated over the years, um, really prevents prevents the NYPD from giving information to the feds about an individual who committed a crime. So that's why they they hide. I mean, you, do we need to import criminals to New York City? Uh, this, is this what we, we, we become? And so all the, you know, the far left really feels, well, you know, we, we want to incentivize people to work with the NYPD. So that means they have to feel free that they can go to the NYPD and they're not going to rat them out to the feds. Well, you know, if this, this, this guy, Martinez, who's committed six crimes, we're going to, we want to, we want his cooperation. Are you kidding? Ship him out. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the problem is, as you know, Councilman Bob Holden, uh, as we're talking here on the Rita Cosby show, you look at the numbers and you brought up uh, a really powerful point about you think about 9-11. We're heading towards the anniversary, as you know, 22 years. I can't believe it. And here it is. And you think about how many they got into the country, they infiltrated, you know, they started setting up uh, working. One was going through pilot training. We've had, and I was talking to the head of Customs and Border Protection, uh, Mark Morgan. He was saying that he thinks there's close to 1.8, maybe 2 million gotaways. That's just the gotaways and close to 8 million, those that we know of, even though we're not keeping track or vetting those. I mean, that's close to 10 million. That is a stunning number. And that is just downright dangerous for national security for New York and the rest of the country. And it's more dangerous than right before uh, 9-11. In the days before 9-11, we are now more have a much bigger security problem in the United States than in the days leading up to 9-11. We created homeland security right after 9-11. A few years later, we created homeland security and immigration and customs enforcement for that reason, to cooperate and to work with local authorities on possible terrorists so they could share information. So what have we done in the 22 years since? We weakened all those laws, weakened people. Some of my colleagues want to get rid of ICE. (laughs) They, They want open borders. They want everybody to pour in, take care of everyone. 
It's insane. And unless the silent majority rises up and says enough of is enough, tell, you know, we got to tell the mayor, listen, we're not for expediting um, work visas for individuals that we don't know. Right. They're just going to stay here. That, Like you said, that is just incentivizing them. How is that stopping the flow? That's going to say, come on in. You can not only get all these freebies, you'll also get a job. Yeah, but no other, no other city in the world offers, you know, right to shelter. Do you understand that? That is, this is so insane that we're going to, where are you going to go? If you're making $3 an hour in Venezuela, or if that, and now you can come to New York City and make $17 an hour, get free room and board, uh, you know, food, and stay in a, in, a, in a hotel, of course you're going to come to New York City. So the mayor's got to stop and think a bit, and so does the governor, because they're both not, they're really not on the same page in any regard to try to save the city. They're just trying to get out of this predicament now. But I think they have to turn to to the government, the federal government, and say, expedite these let's let's look at these applications and if they don't have an application by the way ship them out and most of them don't have applications we can't sustain this what do you make of the finger pointing between uh the mayor the governor and the president it seems yeah they're blaming one another it's hilarious i'm embarrassed about my party i'm embarrassed that it's it's like you have the governor blaming the mayor, the mayor blaming the governor, the, the mayor blaming Washington, and then Washington saying, you guys don't have your act together in New York. Are you kidding? Um, that's why I said, and I said this you know, almost a year ago now, ship them to Washington. Put them on the Great Lawn. Take them anywhere you want. You know, put, put them in, um, you know, in, in, on the mall in Washington and have the buses stop there, you'll see this change. Absolutely. Put it right there, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, or the Naval Observatory. That's the home of the vice president, the so-called borders are. Uh, the bar- borders are who we haven't heard anything on. If they're camping outside the, the White House, Rita, you'll see things change quickly. I mean, it's, there'll, be, there'll be cameras there, and right away, yeah, the mayor's going to be criticized, obviously, so what? He's got to stand up. He's, he represents us, the taxpayers. He doesn't represent people from, uh, you know, Venezuela, South America, Central America. He doesn't represent. He re- represents us. And and I love when, when people, you know, the, the far left. Oh, you, everyone's a, an immigrant. Yeah, right. I mean, we all came here. Our, if our grandparents came here, they came here legally. They just didn't sneak into the country. Um, and they and we know who they are. And they worked hard and they weren't given a hotel room. They weren't given room and board. They weren't given anything. In fact, they had to, you know, jump over hurdles and discrimination and so forth. And they 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 really earned it. They earned the right to be an American. Again, what's happening now is not is very different than when our uh, grandparents came. And my, my the whole side of my family has been here since the Civil War. Wow. And by the way, I'm first generation American. So my parents both had to work hard. Uh, Councilman Bob Holden, do me a favor. Stay with us. We're going to have much more with you right after the break. Everybody, you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. 
And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. Well, we continue now with New York City Councilman Bob Holden for the latest. Councilman, you know, school started this week for most of the public schools in New York. You think about what is going on. We're going to put these students, these migrant students, there's about 20,000 of them, they said. They're not vaccinated. The family's not vetted. And you're going to put them in classrooms with English-speaking kids. They don't speak the language. Again, I mentioned the health issues, the criminal background of their families, potentially. This is a formula for disaster. Right. And you look at the countries that many of the migrants are coming from and the kids, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, uh, Haiti, Venezuela, Cuba, Nicaragua. Many of them, there's all different languages here. So you're going to have to hire so many teachers and it is a never ending problem. Some students are disabled. We're going to have to hire more personnel. And our students now, by the way, I mean, it's heartbreaking when you look what our parents go through, New Yorkers go through to educate their kids who are challenged or special needs kids. Now we're bringing in a whole new population. I just don't know how we could sustain this. Yeah, I saw that, that they're doing some that are, you know, English as a second language teacher, all these accommodations. There's a lot of people, you know, in New York City, and you think about how many homeless people there are, homeless veterans, other individuals who are saying, wait a minute, you know, it's interesting. I didn't get the free phone. I didn't get the free hotel room. I didn't get the free food and are getting really angry when they see how much money is being spent on migrants. And it seems like Americans in many ways feel neglected. New Yorkers feel neglected. Right. And we're the taxpayers. People coming in haven't paid a dime in taxes. So we paid for our lifetime and we're not getting the services now from DOE. Our kids are, we're we're probably, you know, paying the most. I think it's now over 30,000 per child and we're not getting bang for the buck. We are not doing the job now. Now, when you actually bring in kids who can't speak English, and have all different languages. That slows up a class, by the way. I taught for 44 years in CUNY. That's right. And when you had students that weren't as prepared, it slowed down the whole class. And it really was a hurdle. That's why I wanted honors classes. So, you know, we can really help the students who are really on the, who work hard, that they're not gonna be slowed down. But now you're gonna slow down the class. You'll see our levels drop in reading, writing, and math, because you have kids who had, I mean, we don't know their education uh, from the other countries. So this is a monumental task in our schools. And we don't know, uh, by the way, they haven't been vetted health-wise, too. We don't know what they're bringing in. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and that's what I, that's what many of my constituents object to, that, you know, our kids can't start school. (laughs) I mean, taxpayers, our kids can't start school if they're not vaccinated. But anybody now in temporary, they call it temporary housing, they can just go in and they're not vaccinated. Yeah, it really is a formula for disaster. It's so frightening. And then some of these shelters being set up, by the way, near active schools. It is so concerning, so dangerous. Councilman Bob Holden, it is so great to have you here and also get your important insight on this major issue. And most importantly, we really appreciate your time, your dedication to protecting our city and our country. We love having you on. Thank you, Rita. It was a pleasure being on. And everybody, we're going to have more of the Rita Cosby Show right after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. 
And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we get to honor our great men and women in law enforcement. A powerful story coming from Warren, Michigan, where a heroic Michigan cop saved a baby who stopped breathing after he pulled over the toddler's uncle for speeding in a Chevrolet Camaro, and it happened just a few days ago. Dash cam footage captured the dramatic rescue by Warren Police. Police officer Brendan Frazier, who jumped into action during the traffic stop when he heard frantic pleas from the 18-month-old mother. Help, help, help. We got a baby here dying. That's what the driver was shouting through tears as the cop ran up to the car, according to dash cam footage posted by local TV stations. Officer Frazier said of the driver, I thought he was racing somebody or maybe he was trying to get away from something. And then really, uh, now it all made sense that he handed the his baby over to me. He was headed to the hospital and that was about three quarters of a mile away. The car was en route to the hospital and zooming at least 75 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone. The officer pulled the driver over for speeding before the cop finally figured out what was going on. The driver handed Frazier the baby. The officer saw that the child was turning blue with his eyes rolled back in his head. So he started giving the back blows to the little boy in hopes of clearing the airways, all the while trying to keep the boy's mother and her brother also calm. Some sort of liquid was spat up as the officer worked to save the child's life. The cop gave the baby back more blows also to get him to start breathing again. Finally, you could hear the officer saying, he's breathing, he's breathing, look at him, he's okay. Needless to say, tears of joy from the officer and also the family. Officer Frazier said, quote, it was a big relief for sure when the child started breathing and you saw the color come back around his lips. And for his actions, the police commissioner there in Warren, Michigan, said of Officer Frazier, his actions on this traffic stop are nothing short of heroic. And this incident shows that police work and traffic stops are not always about writing tickets or making arrests. Bravo to this great officer who knew what to do and saved this little baby's life. Well, a new poll shows that nearly 70% of Democrats don't want President Joe Biden to run again. So where has he fallen short when it comes to leadership on the international stage and also here at home? Well, joining us now is Victoria Coates. She is a former Trump Deputy National Security Advisor. She's also now the Vice President for the Davis Institute for National Security at the Heritage Foundation. Victoria, great to have you here. Thanks for having me on, Rita. You know, it's incredible to me that President Biden, everybody knows when the 9-11 anniversary is coming. I mean, to me, it is such a somber, important day uh, to honor the heroes of 9-11, all the precious lives that were lost. And here we have the president of the United States, this president, the first one in 22 years since the attack, who is not commemorating that date at one of the attack sites or at the White House. What is your reaction? He's coming back from a climate conference in Vietnam. Well, I wish I could say this was shocking, but remember, this is the same president who two years ago vowed to end the war in Afghanistan on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which was one of the most boneheaded political decisions and military decisions that's been made in easily half a century. And so he he doesn't understand 9-11 clearly. And the, the fact that he's going to some 
climate conference in Vietnam after going to the G20 in India that Xi isn't even going to is ridiculous. The president of the United States should set the schedule. If he wanted to be back in the continental United States at one of the crash sites on the anniversary of 9-11, he would be there. Make other people work around you. You don't, you don't play by their fiddle. You, you, you set the schedule. And the fact that he's using this as an excuse to say, oh, I could only time-wise get back to Alaska. I will mark it on U.S. soil. But at some military base in Alaska, this doesn't pass the smell test. Yeah, it doesn't pass the smell test. And especially everybody knows it's not a surprise. The date is the same every year. You know, when you see that date, you know, I always have like I have a lump in my throat because I just think about how horrible what happened to America that day. Doesn't he look at his schedule? Doesn't his staff look at his schedule? I mean, I have to wonder, Victoria Coates, like who on his team said it's a good idea not to be at one of the attack sites on 9-11? I mean, didn't they say, hey, Mr. President, maybe you shouldn't go to this thing or maybe you should leave early, whatever the case is? Or, or make them change the date. And you have to wonder if they're worried after all the negative press they got this year from the Gold Star families of the 13 heroes who were killed at Abbey Gate in Kabul. Uh, it Finally, their story started to come out this year. And more attention was focused on what happened in Afghanistan. And if you look at Biden's polling, it really cratered after the surrender in Afghanistan and has never recovered. And I think they're worried they're going to go to ground zero and get booed, quite frankly. Uh, And so for them, this was a convenient way to say, oh, we can't possibly go. We're going to have to run to to Alaska because we're out off doing the business of state. But that's just it's just not credible. And if he wanted to be there, he would be there. He doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And what a sad message, I think, that that just sends. You know, you talked about Afghanistan and the dismal withdrawal. It is still amazing to me, Victoria Coates, that no one's been held responsible. No one's been held accountable. No one's been demoted. And the White House continues to say, what chaos? Everything went well. It was a success. I mean, that is also, I think, a slap in the face, uh, certainly to those family members who lost loved ones, but to all Americans. No, it, it, it's it's quite extraordinary. And I, I have had the opportunity in recent weeks to talk to some of these families. It's been a tremendous honor. Uh, and one of the questions I asked is, was all, were all 13 families, you know, conservative Republicans when you started this journey, which obviously was sort of taken at random? They're just 13 people chosen out of the uh, out of the the folks who are serving. And they've to a man said, no, you know, we have some Trump Republicans. We have some Democrats, we have some who are resolutely unpolitical, but the way that they've been treated has united them. And that's that's really extraordinary. You've got to work hard as the president of the United States to alienate all 13 families to this degree and make them feel so disrespected and so unappreciated. And you know what, what this decision about the 22nd anniversary of 9-11 says to me is not only does he not care about the thousands of Americans who died that day. He also doesn't care about the thousands of Americans who have been fighting for 20 years to avenge them. And it's just, it's shameful. It is shameful. Um, You know, what an honor, as you just said, to be able to speak to those Gold Star families. To me, they have been so courageous and so eloquent. And it's heartbreaking when I hear their stories. I know there's one of them, uh, one of the Gold Star moms who talks about how he kept looking at his watch, how President Biden kept looking at his watch uh, when her son's casket was coming, flag draped casket coming off the plane there in Dover Air Force Base. And then all he did was talk about his son. 
And she was really offended, understandably so. Here's this just gut-wrenching moment. And he's talking, looking at the time, also talking about, you know, his family as opposed to their families. I mean, to me, that that to me speaks volumes. It's just bizarre. And, you know, I mean, I, I knew Bo Biden. He went to Penn with some very good friends of ours. He was he was a good person. And I mean, obviously, it is tragic what happened to him, his death by brain cancer. Absolutely. And one has tremendous sympathy for the Biden family for that loss. But it, it that doesn't make you a gold star family. It means you're a family who had a tragic loss. And so for him to keep insisting that Bo came back in a in a, in a flag draped coffin and it's somehow the equivalent is is like when he goes to the Hawaii wildfire sites in Maui and says, well, my house almost burned down. And you look at it like, well, no, you had a small kitchen fire and lost no one. You didn't lose a pet. You didn't lose anything of value. As a matter of fact, from Jill Biden's account, you were excited at the end of it because you were going to get a big insurance check and be able to do a bunch of repairs to your house. So he just, I mean, everything is about him. Nothing is about the American people. And I think that's why. There is such a visceral reaction against him. He knew in the lead up talked about that polling and how just disastrous it is that when you have 70 percent of your own party who don't want you to run, you're, I mean, you've you got to work hard to achieve that. Do you think it's the age? Do you think it's, you know, uh, physical, mental or do you think it's, it's philosophy coming through? I might embrace the and there, Rita. I kind of think it's all of these things coming together that he is aging. Uh, He does appear to have some cognitive issues. I'm not a doctor, uh, so I'm not going to speak to those. But certainly it is also his philosophy. He doesn't see 9-11 as a profound moment in American history. It's sort of an unfortunate blip. Uh, And I'm sure he would blame George Bush for it. Uh, if he possibly could. So so I would say all those things are coming together in a just historically unlikable president. You know, you talked about um, 9-11, which we talked about at the beginning. He's working also, uh, at least the administration is considering a plea deal for Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who is the mastermind of 9-11. He and some of the others. What What's your reaction to that? I know the families are furious. I mean, my thought of, of all people don't take anything off the table. These are the ones who organized 9-11 along with Osama bin Laden, Victoria. Oh, exactly. And KSM, as he's known, is, is truly the worst of the worst. And if you can't get to a, a, uh, a death sentence for KSM, then don't have a trial. I mean, at this point, we, you know, we're 22 years into this thing. What, why would we insult the families this way? You know, my understanding, we have a lot of some of the finest legal minds who have been working on these issues, both in and out of government for years at Heritage, like Colley Simpson, for example. And, you know, Colley is becoming concerned that a plea deal might be the best we could do. But at that point, why are you doing it at all? You know, it, it just it, that then that person should just be incarcerated and should not have the benefit of knowing, as you say, don't take it off the table. Just you know, just if this is if this is an intractable situation, 
don't insult the families on top of everything else. Yeah, just let it continue and just make sure they never see the light of day. Um, You know, as we're talking about Afghanistan, too, so many mistakes made. And there have been new reports of late that we've heard in recent months. And you've seen them, I'm sure, publicly to Victoria Coates, that there were so many opportunities to get especially the suicide bomber there at Abbey Gate, who, you know, killed our precious servicemen and women and also uh, many Afghans as well. You know, when you hear the background that apparently we had the guy in our sights, uh, then uh, they were told, don't take the shot. They weren't given the orders to do it. And then also when there was a hotel room nearby where uh, the mastermind uh, was planning it, right, and some others. And apparently we left it in control of Taliban to take care of the security. I mean, this is nuts. Right. I mean, apparently we asked the Taliban to raid that hotel and they declined. And we had nothing we could do because we had pulled out so many people. We had no more capability. And all of that was orders from the White House that we were to get down to a certain number Uh by August 1st, and then that degraded our ability to provide our own security, so we were dependent on the Taliban. You had basically a game of hot potato going on between the State Department and the Department of Defense, and the NSC was asleep at the switch, because as an old denizen of the NSC, I can tell you, that's, that's, what you, that's your job, is you have to take on the unpleasant tasks, and you've got to grab this, the departments and agencies and bash their heads together and force them to do what they're supposed to do. Because if you don't do that, they're just going to drift off into a more comfortable position. It's not my problem. It's their problem. I'm not going to do this unpleasant thing that everybody knows to be a bad idea. But if the president had said, you're going to do that thing, well, then you better make sure your departments and agencies are following the presidential direction. And they didn't. So I really see this as an NSC failure, ultimately plenty of blame to go around. Yeah, and also and also uh, many people though on the flip side also told him don't give up Bagram. And the guy apparently came from the prison there in Bagram. Exactly. Cuz Bagram you can hold with 2500, you could do an orderly evacuation from there. That's what the Department of Defense and the State Department know how to do. But instead of taking that easy option cuz they wanted to get up down below 1000, they they said no, we're going to do it out of Karzai International. And it, it just all of this spiraled from there. And, you know, if with those 2,500, we could still have capabilities at Bagram right now. We could be keeping an eye on Russia and China, who kind of seem to me like they need to have an eye on them. But we don't have those capabilities anymore. Right. And Bagram is right there, uh, very close also to China. So strategically, mm-hmm. you know, and we left all that equipment behind, Victoria. I mean, 80 billion plus of equipment. I mean, to me, what happened to all that equipment? Is it being used uh, in Ukraine by the Russians? I would say it's more being used by the Taliban in Afghanistan. Uh, but certainly, I mean, they would share with the Russians anything that they wanted. They'd also share it with the Iranians. I mean, there's bad blood between them. Sometimes they fight against each other. There's a real bad water problem between Afghanistan and Iran. But that doesn't mean you can assume they won't share stuff with them for the, for the right price. So so all sorts of bad things can be going on with this. And I remember President Trump saying over and over and over again, not one hammer gets left behind. And we would hear from our friends at DOD saying, oh, but more expensive to wrap it up and ship it home than it is to just leave it there. And he said, I don't care. None of our stuff gets left behind. 
Yeah, you don't want to leave anything left behind uh, for them and and for it to fall in the wrong hands. And especially you could have put some of it on the C-130s. I mean, it is so, so crazy. Victoria Coates, Trump's former deputy national security advisor. Stay with us. We're going to have a lot more with you after the break here on The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Rita Cosby Show. We are back with Victoria Coates, former Trump Deputy National Security Advisor and also now the Vice President for the Davis Institute for National Security at the Heritage Foundation. Victoria, you know, this week, uh, President Xi didn't show up at the G20. He doesn't seem to be anxious to meet with Joe Biden. Your thoughts? No, he doesn't. And interesting, this is the the important thing that President Biden is going to. So he misses the 9-11 anniversary, as we were just discussing. But in this case, it's particularly embarrassing because Biden's been sending this endless parade, all these senior administration officials to Beijing to try to create some sort of engagement with their Chinese counterparts. And who has shown up in Washington, D.C.? Not a single soul. There hasn't been any senior Chinese representation here. And we've sent four people. And now Xi's not bothering to go to the G20. It's embarrassing that Xi, who's facing some fairly serious economic problems at home, isn't trying to get to the G20 to meet with the U.S. president. It's the opposite. Yeah, it goes with a pattern, Victoria, of this president, how he has coddled or turned a blind eye, I should say, I think, to China. I mean, the spy balloon, he lets it hover. And COVID doesn't insist on investigators getting over there. I just think of so many things. And yet you don't hear anything. Our president barely condemns China. It seems like he gives them a free pass. No, it's it's really embarrassing. And the only conclusion I can draw is that the administration has come to the conclusion that while China is a threat, they're not as big of a threat in their estimation that, than climate change is. And they know they've pledged to get wow. to zero 2035 in the United States. The only way they can do that is with the cheap, subsidized Chinese solar panels, EV batteries, what have you. They can't build them here. And even if they could in that timeline, it would be prohibitively expensive. Then you have net zero 2050 for the globe, which is what is laid out in the Paris Accords, to which they are now signatory. They can't get there without a deal with China. So if you have decided, which they have publicly said they have, this is their biggest national security challenge then they have to talk to China. But sad thing there is China doesn't have to talk to them. We just have about a minute left, Victoria Coates. And I want to ask you the $64 million question. Does a lot of this maybe have to do with what, of course, James Comer and others on Capitol Hill are investigating? We know that Hunter Biden was doing deals with China. He came out in court and said, yeah, he got X amount of money. Is there potentially maybe some reason this president's also turning a blind eye? certainly seems possible. And that's just frightening for all Americans, the degree to which the Biden family is potentially compromised in all sorts of countries, which I think not coincidentally are in the news all day, every day, Ukraine, Russia, China, all of these are the countries 
that Hunter Biden was doing business with during the last years that Joe Biden was vice president and raking in tens of millions of dollars that went throughout the family and has fueled this subsequent lifestyle. And then also the tens of millions of dollars that flowed to the University of Pennsylvania to support the Biden Center, which paid him a million dollars a year. This, again, does not passed the smell test. And God bless the House of Representatives for for doing this work. Yeah, the American public deserves to know the truth. Victoria Coates, you are so terrific. Thank you so much for being with us on so many important topics. What an important last few days it has been. It's really great to have you here. Thank you, Rita. And everybody stay right here because we'll have more of the Rita Cosby Show right after the break. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita, because your perfume is smelling sweet. The migraine crisis in New York City is one old big old mess. By the way, later on in this hour, uh, we also earlier tonight had a very fun birthday bash for John Katsimatidis, owner and operator of Red Apple Media, and of course my co-host on Cats and Cosby. It was an amazing birthday and also celebrating 102 years of WABC Radio and so many of the incredible talents were there. We're going to talk about that later on in the hour. Meantime, as you were just hearing earlier from New York City Councilman Bob Holden and also Victoria Coates, well, boy, things are a mess on our southern border. It is a disaster. And we just heard in the last few hours At a town hall that took place actually last night, Mayor Eric Adams came out and said what we really all kind of already know. But it was refreshing to hear a Democratic leader at least come out and say that, guess what? The migrant crisis is crippling the Big Apple. So take a listen to what he had to say. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10 thousand migrants a month now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into new york city yeah it is a disaster and yeah it will destroy new york city and i'm happy to hear that at least he is saying that that is the case at least he's realizing that but does he realize who is to blame take a listen to this Because when he was asked, well, who is responsible for this? And he kind of went on and on and on and on. I thought, okay, well, look, maybe he's going to finally say the president of the United States, who has the widest open border ever and who doesn't seem to care about border security, national security, international security, as we were talking about in the earlier hour of the show. Well, that person is really the key to all of this. And boy, if he would just plug the hole at the border uh, and finally admit that what he did was wrong and turn people around and vet them and screen them, well, maybe then we can somehow put an end in sight to this. 
But he's saying, no, 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 there doesn't look like there's any end in sight. And listen, I agree with him on that. I agree that the migrant crisis could cripple New York. They're talking about now the fact that they believe that they will start to maybe cut back on services. We're talking about maybe less firehouses or maybe the ones that aren't so busy, maybe will be closed on weekends or after hours. That's a disaster. The first time a fire happens, then guess what? Uh, they're not close by. They got to go to another firehouse because that one's closed because they can't pay the staff on that because they're paying for migrants. And then what about also in the middle of all of this, too, in addition to that, housing, all these other sort of services, the mayor said, and I applaud him for saying this, across the board, there's probably going to be cuts in services. And sadly, he's right. But guess what? He's got to start looking in the mirror, too. And he's got to start pointing the finger directly at the head of his party. And we're talking about President Joe Biden. But instead... After he did that salvo where he said, oh, the city's being crippled, it's being this, it's being that, he kind of flips and flops. Some days he kind of goes after the administration. He usually never says Biden by name, nor does other people in the you know Democratic leadership in New York and other liberal cities across the country. But take a listen to this. Listen to who he blames. Uh, he's talking about Governor Abbott in Texas. Started with a madman down in Texas, decided he wanted to bust people up to New York City. 110,000 migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the children, wash their laundry sheets, give them everything they need, health care. And this team here, we stated, let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities. But that madman there in Texas, well, uh, I guess he's to blame. Let me just do the math, all right? Because there's been about 110,000 migrants that have come to New York City. And again, I don't blame them for coming. I would want to come here too. It's a great place. Uh, I don't blame, even though New York is falling apart lately, but... America is the greatest country in the world, and I still very much believe in New York as much as we are certainly having a lot of problems. But if you look at the numbers, how many have been sent from Governor Abbott? He did an accounting the other day, and it's about 13,000. So let's do the math. It's about 12%, okay? So it is 12%. What about the other 88%? That are coming here because guess what? There's a big old neon sign. And that's exactly why Governor Abbott was sending them on the buses to New York City. Because he said, I'm sending them to the sanctuary cities. Texas is busting at the seams. Can you imagine? You see how bad it is in New York City. And they are adding them left and right. There's a new one that's going to be placed in Long Island City. It's going to be a new mega shelter. So they're popping up all over the place. And so it continues and continues. And yet, can you imagine what the state of Texas, the Lone Star State, is dealing with? Uh, Walk down the streets of El Paso. I know a lot of people in El Paso, and they say the homeless shelters are so overrun that they cannot handle the influx, that they're sleeping on the streets. And you look even again in New York. You've got these new ones, these new mega shelters that are popping up. You've got, obviously, the old airfield. You've got, of course, the big one in Staten Island that they're fighting left and right. It's right in a rec, you know, it's a residential area, literally 20 feet from a grammar school. 
So don't the Democrats need to have a little self-awareness, too? I mean, why are they not saying, you know what? Maybe us telegraphing that we're a sanctuary city and we welcome all. And when they come, you can't make it sound like it's like an epiphany. Like, what are they doing here? How do they end up here? I mean, I again, I was really happy when I heard the beginning of his statements. And he said, sadly, that the migrant crisis is destroying New York. I was happy not because of the destruction, because I certainly don't want that. But I was happy to see his honesty and his candor. But then the next statement was, well... You know what? Um, I blame the madman in Texas. That is a cop out. That is that is crazy. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And what uh, blasting at Republicans would be complete without the person that everybody blames. So if it rained today, it's this person's fault. All right. If your shoes are too tight, it's this person's fault. If you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, it's this person's fault. Listen to who Mayor Eric Adams really blames, not just the madman in Texas, but orange man bad. But let's be clear. This mess is, 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 is Trump, Trump-like Republicans mess. Real immigration reform. You know, I'm hearing those who coming out saying Eric is right, Eric is right. But don't pick half of what you say I'm right on. Pick the other half. That Trump Republicans created this mess, and we need to fix this mess with real immigration reform. Trump Republicans created this mess. You know better, Mr. Mayor. That is ridiculous. And who has gotten into your ear? You were saying, plug the border unless we can stop the border. Do you really think it's Donald Trump's fault that the current president has a leaky sieve of a border. It's like the Niagara Falls. That's how much is flowing through the border. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm in Brooklyn. Line 5. Norm, go ahead. Yeah, my general opinion about the uh, migrants is uh, the old old expression, you know, good, good fences make uh, good neighbors, you know. So, uh, you know, we should, uh, or high fences, whatever. Anyway, I, I, we should bolster up the border uh, while I, you know, I mean, there are casualties here. I mean, I understand these people came here uh, for economic need. Uh, that's, to me, not, that's spending asylum. By the way, and, by the way, can I say uh, one I thing, Norm? Be- Norm, it is actually, you are correct. It is not asylum. Asylum uh, is that you are part of sort of a special class and you are being persecuted in your country and not doing well economically as much as we want to help everybody. And again, that's why I say, Norm, I don't blame Mm -hmm. them for wanting to come. But that is not the criteria for asylum. You're right. And I've had I've had it in my own family, Rita. Uh, My my cousin Solomon came here for like she he was from Austria and uh, under asylum during World War Two. Uh, he got into Canada, and uh, he was doing fine in Canada. But for some reason, he wanted to come into the States. He went across the Canadian border, and he was uh, he was apprehended, and uh, they sent him back to Canada. And uh, thank God he eventually wound up with other family members of mine in England. But, uh, you know, there was a time in America when we would deport people if they came over illegally. Now, Norm, what do you make of the fact that the mayor is blaming Trump? I mean, Trump Republicans created this mess. Give me a break. 
No, Trump Republicans did not. He's playing politics. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's all lies. It's, uh, you know, they're, 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 he's, he's playing to his base. That's it. And, uh, and that's a big, yeah, dis- I, that is a big, big disappointment, Norm, uh, 1000%, yes, you know, because he knows better. I mean, he started, that's the thing. He kind of flips and flops because at one point he was saying, yeah, the border's wide open and, you know, and we got to plug the border. And I'm thinking, okay, good. He's going to finally say, and President Biden, I'm calling on you. Uh, and he kind of inched there a couple times. But then now it's like now suddenly somebody got in his head and said, oh, um, what is it, an election year coming up next year? And we're trying to go after this orange man bad guy. So put him in every sentence you can. I mean, it's, it is so crazy. Uh, Norm, thank you so much. Let's go to Robert, line one. Robert, your thoughts. Yeah, thanks, uh, Rita. Um, well, you know, it seems like, you know, Biden is not the only one to blame. Um, what about uh, Senator Schumer and uh, Senator Gillibrand and the Democrats in the House? I mean, Senator Schumer is a very powerful person. He's head of the Democrat majority in the Senate. And I don't see him really speaking out about this crisis. And, and one thing the mayor is right about is it's destroying the city. It's not sustainable. I mean, you had the Democrat councilman um, you interviewed talking about it's not sustainable. It's insane. And it's sort of consistent with what even Victoria Pulse is talking about how we got out of Afghanistan, because there also it seems totally insane. You wonder if there was corruption involved, how we left a base like that, such a strategic base that so many, so much cost, so much treasure and blood to get that base. And, you know, the, the only solution is we need Trump. And we need Trump and an attorney general like Giuliani to help clean up the mess, you know, and it's just... Um, you know, it's, uh, but, you know, they're just lying because when he says that Trump is the problem, Trump was solving the problem. He almost finished the wall. And then they, they opened up the, 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 the floodgates and they just come rushing in. And he says, come to New York, you know, sanctuary city, which, by the way, you talk about, you know, um, you know, the, what are the words they're using for Trump now? The uh, 14th Amendment. Oh, yeah, which is which is so by the way, Robert, I don't know, as you brought up the wall part too. another interesting point. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but you can't make this up that the Biden administration apparently is auctioning off the wall to people because they don't you know, it's anything that has to do with Trump. They change like the whole remain in Mexico change. Title 42 change anything that Trump was enforcing. They seem to like say, oh, we can't do what Trump does. And so they're actually auctioning off parts of the wall. So if anybody thought like those pieces were going to be used again, if somebody wants to start, they're going to have to start from scratch because the wall is like hanging on probably George Soros's wall or something like that. Uh, crazy, crazy. Robert, thank you very much. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And- 
And we are talking about the crisis at the border that gets me very heated up because to me it is one of the biggest derelictions of duty of this current presidency. I can't understand why somebody would keep the border wide open, which it certainly, certainly is. And now we're hearing some Democratic leaders speak out against it. Obviously, it's hard if you're going to go up against the uh, standard bearer of your party. By the way, the standard bearer may not be Joe Biden uh, because Kamala Harris came out. She has been traveling and she did an interview recently where she said, you know, that she is always ready, as any vice president should be, to take over. And she is ready, willing and able to take over for Joe Biden, if need to. She said, oh, no, 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 no. It's not that he's going anywhere or anything like that, even though most of Americans believe he should not be reelected, including 70 percent of Democrats. But she's saying, just in case, I'm ready. So if any of you actually think that Kamala Harris would be a better choice, uh, I will sell you a bridge in Brooklyn. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in Philly, line one. Robert, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, it's good to talk to you again. Um, the prior Robert, great name, by the way. Um, I, <laughs> yep. think, I, I think he hit the nail on the head. You take Biden out, all the problems still remain. It's not just Biden. He's just a puppet. He's a corrupt, demented, whacked-out puppet. But if he gets removed, these policies that are killing his country are in place. He is just he is just put doing what they want him to do. And when it gets to the point where it's not sustainable, they're going to say, oh, he's old. Let him go. He was old. We'll fix his mistakes. We cannot buy it. Nothing of what he is doing would be possible without the entire Democratic Party in lockstep. We watch that and an absolutely corrupt media that we all know is corrupt. That refuses to report on all of the things this guy is doing because they're busy keeping the supporters on a Democratic plantation by pointing to Orange Man. And it's it's so transparent. Yeah, it's it is. The point now where we know it and they know it and now they know we know it. But it doesn't stop them from saying the same thing every day on their media because there's no challenge. And that's the problem in a nutshell. And it won't be fixed until we change the election and tell the media to go pound sand. You know, what's interesting, Robert, before you go, you know, it's interesting. You had a great point that it is like two different worlds because you look sometimes and I think it was the day when uh, Devin Archer testified like they didn't really cover it. I mean, I'm thinking like. Uh, You missed that one. That was an enormous, enormous story. Of course, that was Hunter Biden's big partner there and business partner who, you know, had a lot of really important and damning things. And it was like it never happened. And it just shows the power of the media. And you're right. They need to be much more honest and transparent. Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which we love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we get to honor our great military 
and their families. A beautiful story coming from Yorba Linda, California, where a veteran finally got awarded the Purple Heart 53 years after being wounded in Vietnam. It has been more than five decades after he was wounded in the field of battle in Vietnam and nearly losing his hand in the attack. And a U.S. Army veteran was finally given that big honor. For a long time, Larry Cruz of Yorba Linda said, I didn't think I deserved it. And he still, of course, remains very modest about his service. He says, I did wonder why I didn't get the award, but I never asked any questions. In the Army, you don't ask any questions. You just say, yes, sir, no, sir, and that's about it. And I feel proud today that this is happening to me. Specialist crews enlisted in the Army in 1969. He attended basic training and then became a tank driver before being deployed to Vietnam On July 20th, 1970, he and six others were wounded when they were attacked by North Vietnamese soldiers. Cruz had shrapnel removed from his body and he was flown by medevac to safety. And it's likely that he would have lost his hand in the attack had it not been for the fact that the bullet hit his class ring. But until recently, Cruz had never received the Purple Heart, which is an award given in the name of of the president, two soldiers killed or wounded in battle. His wife said it's because for some reason, information about him being wounded in battle had just slipped through the cracks. And in late July, Cruz finally received notice that his records were being corrected. Not only would he be awarded the Purple Heart, but also the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross for his action in Vietnam. And one of the commanders of the American Legion post in his area said, quote, it is a wonderful story about never giving up. It's why I'm here and so proud to be a part of this, because we never forget. And I just want to say thank you to all of our great Vietnam veterans out there. We love you and also welcome home. Well, speaking about honoring our veterans, I want to encourage all of you to take a look at walk.ritacosbyonline.com, walk.ritacosbyonline.com. And that is because the big Tunnel to Towers Foundation Walk Run is coming up on Sunday, September 24th. And all of us here at the Red Apple Audio Network are encouraging all of you to donate to our individual teams. That's right. You can go to walk.ritacosbyonline.com. You can click on my picture and donate. All the proceeds go to the great Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Please help me raise the most money here for the amazing Tunnel to Towers Foundation Walk Run. Let's never forget that those who help America's heroes and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is first and foremost in the front line of this. They are so near and dear to my heart. They do such incredible work, spearheaded by the great Frank Siller. So let's raise some money, please, for this incredible cause and incredibly worthwhile mission for our veterans, for our first responders, and also for 9-11 victims. Walk.ritacosbyonline.com. Click on my picture and please do whatever you can to help the great Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love them and I appreciate so much what they do. And thank you for whatever you can do. Well, you know that a number of members of the National Guard, by the way, have been called out, at least in Massachusetts, because Massachusetts 
has declared a state of emergency over the situation with the migrants. I'm waiting for that to happen in New York because, boy, it really is a dire situation. So much so that New York City Mayor Eric Adams came out again just uh, in the last day or so saying the migrant crisis, quote, will destroy New York City. And I want to play cut 16 because he said also uh, that this is just the beginning, that this is sort of a never-ending issue, which makes it even more dire. Take a listen. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. Wow. So never in his life did he ever expect to see no end in sight. Well, I can tell you why there's no end in sight. There's no end in sight because the border is wide open. And guess what? In the middle of all of this, nobody is saying, President Biden, do your job. Yes, we're hearing them say the administration. And granted, it's hard. It's hard to call out the leader of your party. But it's so obvious. And instead, a lot of them are sort of pointing fingers at each other, pointing fingers at the Trump administration, of course, which is a ludicrous claim, and yet fix the issue. And you can't say, hey, come on in. It's like saying, hey, everybody, come on over. I've got an open bar party. And then you suddenly wonder, and you say, oh, it's going to be open all night. You know, come bring as many friends as you want. Bring every single relative. Come on, do whatever you want to do. And then you wonder why suddenly you get uh, thousands of people come and show up. And you go, God, where do they all come from? Uh, Who are they? You know, I mean, guess what? Look in the mirror. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Alex in California, line seven. Go ahead, Alex. Hi, thanks for taking my call. I want to say that both Hungary and Japan have closed borders because the majority of their voters support closed borders and they vote out politicians to open them. The opposite situation exists in the United States. The majority of voters actually want open borders, and so they continue to vote for politicians who open that border. So the real source of the blame or the people, the entity we should be blaming are those voters. Blaming the politicians is disinformation because the ultimate power to keep those borders open rests with the electorate. You know, you bring up uh, a great point, and you're right. People, you know, voted and said, you know, oh, yeah, I'm welcoming, or they picked people who campaigned on it. You know, it's interesting, though, Alex. I do agree that people, yes, and it's so important. It's a powerful reminder of how important it is. Uh, when people go back and vote again, that they think about that when they go to the voting booth because they should vote for people that have their security first and foremost in mind because that is priority number one. Nothing else matters if you don't feel safe in your communities and if you don't feel uh, that the border is safe and all those other issues. But I also wonder, Alex, too, if a lot of people voted uh, sort of blindly and said, oh, well, you know, in this sort of dreamy world, uh, yeah, you want to obviously help everybody. You want to be kind to everybody. You want to let them all in. And now reality is sunk in that it's like, uh, wait a minute, I didn't really mean that. You know, uh, like now maybe it's been a wake up call to some of those people because I have friends on all political aisles. All right, Alex, and I have friends who are dire Democrats that said to me they're not going to vote Democrat next time, that they are so disgusted um, in their states of what they're seeing And they said, you know, they were Democrats for years. So I wonder 
if maybe this uh, has been a wake-up call to some people. Your thoughts? I, I'm pessimistic about people changing their minds from being open border to closed border because in California, uh, I mean, the, the, the voters basically want permanent open borders despite all the problems that, that out-of-control immigration is causing in California. And it remains that way. For whatever reason, people are choosing open borders. That's the way it's going to be. And I think what we need to do right now is focus on how do we live in a, in a country which is basically uh, so altered in its demographics by immigration that we will no longer be a unified Western nation. We're going to be some bad copy of a Latin American country is what I'm afraid we're going to be. And that is going to change our relationship with the rest of the West. Well, and I and I think, you know, look, I think a lot of the demographic change, but more than that, I think even the voter change and the redistricting and all those other things, I think, are a part of it. I didn't really almost want to believe that when, like, you know, a number of leaders uh, that are familiar with border security, when they said, look, no, this is why Biden is doing it. Why else would he do it? And I kept thinking, wait a minute, is he really, really mean that he wants a open borders at the sacrifice so he could get votes in. And now I can't conceive of any, almost any other reason because you got to have a hole in your head to think that it's a good idea. And the only plus would be that they feel they can maybe, you know, it helps with redistricting. It helps with getting more people for the census, more representation in certain States. Um, I mean, it, what is that? That is so sad that you would throw national security aside for uh, political gain, but that's what it seems in some cases. Um, Alex, thank you. You're terrific. It's always great to talk to you. Uh, let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Dave, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I think I wouldn't take any solace in what uh, Eric Adams is saying. He's just echoing what the National Democratic Party pup- puppet masters wanted to say. Uh, and it doesn't matter who is president. Because it's the it's these puppet masters behind you know behind the curtain, they're pulling all the strings. Man, the moon could be the president of the United States, and would be in the same situation we are now. So, the people are really in charge. We don't you don't see them, and um, I think that unfortunately, why people are still supporting the Democratic Party is because they buy the other narratives that they spew forth uh, from the national news media, and I like to propose instead of calling them the fake news. The ones that are the worst are the ones that do have a financial affiliation with the Chinese government. Uh, and we should refer to them as the Chinese financially affiliated news media. Ah, because, uh, ah, very, very clever, Dave. Very, very clever. And obviously that is a huge concern, too. You hit on some really important topics. Dave, thank you very much. Let's go to Tony. Line seven. Tony, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. You know, um, I don't want to spend a lot of time discussing who they are because they need to be defunded is where they need to be. The Democratic Party never really has been in office for more than two years. And do you know in our history, Republicans for as many as four presidents in a row have been in our history, four presidents in a row have been Republican because everyone knows that Democrats need to be defunded. They are like bad school kids. They get in a lot of trouble. And the first thing that parents do is take away their their money. They're, they're allowing. And um, people need to call up Congress and defund because right now there's not much we can do. But let's take away their money because they need to be shut down. 
They are awful, Rita. And it's amazing because they always blame the Republicans when Republicans have always been the ones who fix things going way back. They well, have no responsibility. It's, it's easy. You know what it is, Taylor. Tony? If you sort of kind of keep repeating the same line over and over again, maybe at some point someone's going to believe you. And I almost feel like that. It's like it's like uh, like hearing now them saying, well, it's the Trump Republicans that are to blame with the border. I mean, that is the most that really is a, a ludicrous claim, um, you know, and again, for someone who's invited them over and over and over again to the city campaigned on it. Over and over and over again. Uh, it is. It's like alternate universe. Tony, you're terrific. Thank you so much. Let's go to Eddie. Line two, Eddie, go ahead. Hi, Rita. I want to start off on a good note and say a very happy birthday to a kind, benevolent, smart man that I met a year ago at the Columbus Day Parade, John Katzmatidis. By the way, I am so glad. And and Eddie, Eddie, you gave me a good tease here because coming up, uh, we're going to have Frank Morano and maybe Dominic Carter, uh, two of my great colleagues at WABC Radio, which all of you know is the flagship station, because we had a party tonight. And John Katsimatidis yeah, uh, was definitely the uh, the shiniest guy in the place. He had sequins all. He looked so great. He and Margot looked fabulous. Oh, that's nice. He deserves it. He really he does. does. He's he a, does. He's a gem. He does. He does. He does. He does, Eddie. I talked to him about a last year's uh, radio station possibly coming up for sale. A friend's son had it and uh, in Montauk. And he, this is, you know, this is the billionaire businessman um, with so humble. He looks at me. And then about the end of the prayer, he goes, what's your name? I said, Eddie. He says, take my cell phone number. Call me. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about. He, like by the way, by the way, Ed, I am so glad that you spotlighted John. He is such an awesome man and does so much for so many people um, and makes so many people happy. And it was so beautiful to see him honored and uh, and also Tony Orlando and cousin Brucey. It was like a great, great, awesome, awesome group and uh, just home home run. Really quick, let's go to Jay. Line five, really quick. Jay, your thoughts? Yes, I have a. Just a couple points to make. First of all, you could stop uh, the the immigrants from coming over if you stop the funding to all the countries that they're coming from. Because if the leaders don't get their money, the immigrants will stop. That's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. You're right. If they don't get the mula shmula, uh, then you're right. They're not going to be coming. Uh, but these, you know, the, the problem is we have lost leverage, and that's the sad reality. Not only have we had a wide open border, uh, but we've lost leverage with these other countries because they see what we've all seen. They see the dismal withdrawal of Afghanistan. They see what's happened with, you know, with Russia and Ukraine, the minor incursion, if it is. They see all of that. And so for that reason, uh, I think they don't take any of this seriously, and they see it a wide open border. I mean, and that's why all of this is so detrimental to our national security. But great points, Jay. Thank you very much. And everybody stay with us. A special treat. Eddie talked about the big birthday, John Katz's birthday. Tonight we had a big celebration earlier tonight. And we're going to talk about it after the break. We're going to have Dominic Carter and also Frank Morano, my two great buddies and great colleagues on 77 WABC. They are coming up. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show.
It's the Rita Cosby Show. favorite guys in the studio, two great WABC radio hosts. Of course, that's the flagship station for the Rita Cosby Show. I know so many of you listen on WABC radio. The great Dominic Carter, number one in the house, and also the other number one in the house, the other side of midnight, the hello, great hello. Frank I First of all, we're in radio, but I want to know I'm sitting next to two very elegantly dressed men, <laughs> and we had a great time tonight. Uh, Frank, what was from some of your highlights? We've been talking, obviously, it was John Katzmatidi's birthday, big birthday, and he and Margot blew it out of the house. It was awesome, and it was a tribute to uh, a music legend. Well, first of all, I was impressed at uh, John's wardrobe, but, you know, he was uh, he wore a suit that could have done Cousin Brucie proud. I mean, these gold <laughs> sequins on the suit was very impressive. He looked but, like Liberace. Uh, there was a lot right? of great musical performances. Uh, obviously, Tony Orlando was terrific. But to see Tommy James perform in person, I have been such an admirer of Tommy James for you know, really, my whole life, and to see him perform in person in honor of both John and Cousin Brucey, it was a real, a real special night, and it was a great night to celebrate with so many radio people and so many colleagues. It was great. It was, and also the video too. We were talking, Dominic. I know you love the video. Um, so what were your favorite parts of the video, Dominic? There, that was a powerful. There was a lot of who's who. I saw Neil Sedaka, and there was like yes. legend after legend tribute. And, and there were so many legends where, where you almost didn't realize the legends that were in the video because it was like, what, 20 to 20, 20 to 30 of them. And it was just the, the, the Liberace reference is great as it relates to Mr. <laughs> Katsimatidis. He looked great. His, he looked great. So, so did Mrs. Katsimatidis. Yes. It was just a wonderful time by all. And it's great when we get the opportunity to do things like that, except Briani's. And it was just. Wonderful, fantastic. I'll tell you, there's not another radio station in America that does events like the one that we just left. And it was a really, a really special night. I do wonder, though, each table had a signed guitar from Cousin Brucie. Dominic, you and I were at the same table. Who got our signed guitar? You claim yeah, you I, didn't I, get it. Wait, we wait, wait, wait. No, notice he says, I claim yeah. I didn't get it. I don't know. Who got <laughs> we claimed? Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> people that I never wait met. a minute. Did that, one of them run away with the guitar? I left empty-handed, too. I want you to know that, too. But we had, you know what was great? It, I think about the history, too, as both of you guys are talking about WABC and so many of our great listeners here on the Rita Cosby Show listen on WABC. It is such a legendary station, 102 years old. And Cousin Brucey, who I'm sure many of you know, to see the history um, with the Beatles. I mean, talk about just what wow, uh, like yes. you think about. I mean, I, I always think, of God, there's some people I would have loved to have met in my life and interviewed in my life. I didn't get lucky to, to see the Beatles. Um, um, I've seen uh, Paul McCartney right. or some of the others, but to say you basically helped launch the Beatles' career, that was Cousin Bruce. And, you know, the thing is, there were so many other artists in that uh, video montage that you referenced that, that cited- Dominic Love. <laughs> Dominic Love that. <laughs> <laughs> that video montage is actually still going on. But, um, the, you know, there were so many other artists that cited the role that Cousin Brucey played 
in launching their careers. And it gives you an, a, an understanding of really how influential of a DJ that Cousin Brucey was and really how unique it is that WABC still does music radio on the weekends. Really very lucky. The best of talk during the week and the best of music on the weekend. And, Absolutely. And, and Rita, music legends that, you know, we, we still hear their music today. And to listen to them give a testimony that when they were struggling, uh, Cousin Brucey was the one that gave them a break to get into the business. It was just absolutely remarkable, the, the history of what was at the uh, at the venue. And Tony Orlando, like you just said, like said, you know, it, it was Cousin Brucey who helped launch his career. Mm-hmm. You know, the tie a yellow ribbon and the knock three times and, and all of that. So, right. so on the way out... Um, Dominic used to sing. I know you're a great singer, Frank. You know, we're going to celebrate because we have a lot to celebrate here. Wait a minute. Here we go. Dominic, this is your chance here. Come on. Yahoo! Whatever. Frank, 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 you got to do it. <laughs> Everybody, it's been great being with you tonight. We have all so much Wait, to I'm celebrate. I'm the only one that did it? Yeah, it is. That's your problem. <laughs> Good night, everybody. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.